0: Welcome to Build with Rob, I am Rob Dyrdek, CEO and founder of The Dyrdek Machine, a -a one-of-a-kind venture creation studio. We are a company that creates companies by systematically fusing art, science, and magic through a process we call the machine method. The art is the creative vision and the constant shaping and refinement of an idea the science is the proven methods and time-tested fundamentals of business. The magic is the intangible, universal luck that provides an unexplainable push towards success. Each guest on this show is one of my doer, dire partners and co-founders. This show is an inside look at all the companies that we've created and the lessons we have learned along the journey. Welcome to episode one of Build with Rob. This episode will really be more of a complete breakdown of everything that we do at the Deer Deck Machine and why I have decided to create the Build With Rob show and, and what exactly you can expect to hear and learn while listening to the Build With Rob show. And the first thing I really want to talk about is, is what is the Deck Machine. You know, the Deck Machine is a venture creation studio. We are a business that creates businesses by systematically fusing art, science, and magic. And that is a process, you know, and that process is the machine method. And everything that you will hear on the Build With Rob show is a certain stage of the machine method right and and the machine method itself is is made up of five key phases our core elements, our principles, and our do-or-die founders. Our phases are we go through a discovery phase that leads to a diligence phase that leads to a build phase, to the launch phase, and then the scale phase is the life cycle of when we create a company. We build companies through our machine core elements. It is the core to more consumer, the core business capabilities, and the core leadership engine. This is the multidimensional approach to business creation Missing any of these elements could be crucial to the success of a business, and it's something that we have refined through building many different companies and is the cornerstone of the machine method. Our principles are our core values of what will even dictate whether or not we will choose to do an idea, and do or die or founders is how we describe exactly the type of mentality and mindset of the type of people that we create companies with. Let me start first with just sort of explaining the concept of a venture creation studio. Uh, We're not an incubator. uh, We're not traditional venture capital where we just invest in ideas. We call it a creation studio because we only build businesses from the idea stage. We want to be co-founders connect with an entrepreneur, create that idea together, and build the company from the very, very beginning. We say that we are fueled by the joy of creation. And this studio as a whole is is my life's work. It's my ultimate passion. There's nothing I love doing more in this world than connecting with a fellow do or die entrepreneur and creating a business together. And all of the capital... Uh, that we deploy is my personal capital Uh, we don't have limited partners or lps we do not have a gp structure where we're the general partner and we invest other people's money and get 20 percent of the profits and a two percent management fee we fund the entire business through our actual ventures and then and then invest all of our own capital into every single one of our builds very very unique in the sense of it's, you know, living on both sides of both venture and operator because I love to actually create companies more than anything, but I don't want to operate them. I want to, I want to connect with amazing entrepreneurs and validate the ideas and then build those companies together, help shape and use all the experience that I've had throughout my lifetime of building companies to to help turn it into a successful venture uh, when we're building a company, we we really look for entrepreneurs that have what we call founder market fit. Do they have experience in the actual industry that they want to create a company in? And, and sometimes, you know, it sits on the fringe where you have deep sales or operational experience that sits next to uh, the industry you want to get into and your skill set and your experience applies to it. Sometimes that happens. But at the end of the day, we... Are really hoping to eliminate a lot of the pitfalls of discovering and learning about an industry while you 're trying to build a company and it 's different you know we've you 'll learn throughout this show that we 've done a lot of different types of companies with varying stages of types of entrepreneurs, and this all sort of helps shape what we are today right and when we think about who we 're hunting to build a company with uh, we want this to kind of be their moment, their their magnum opus. All their experience has led up to this moment of creating this company together. And what we offer is this ability to accelerate the path to product market fit. Because at the end of the day, uh, you don't really have a viable, sustainable business until you find that product market fit. And for us, we want to be experts in it. You know, I want to be the Sherpa to amazing do or die entrepreneurs that that I can help guide and, and shape throughout the entire process, and be a sounding board and validate when the ideas are good, and help help deter making bad ideas, and all of this is this agile structured creative chaotic process in order to develop and create a brand that's special and we're trying to systematize this and do it over and over again and by systematizing it, we continue to optimize it so that every time we do it again, we learn more and more and add more to this system so that we can get more and more consistent. Because the goal down here is to never lose. You know, this isn't a a venture capital fund where it's like, hey, we're going to invest in 20 things and we just need one to work. This is not an incubator where, you know, we're going to have all these shared services and let's hope one in a hundred works, every single time we decide to move forward, we only do it because we think there is no doubt that this is going to work. And in order to get that consistent, uh, you have to create a process. And, and our process is the machine method. And the machine method encompasses every single aspect of the entire venture creation studio that is the Deer Deck Machine. It is our process, but it also includes Build with Rob, this show as a part of our media and how we integrate our builds into our own media. It, it includes our machinists, our group of loyal consumer collaborators that are part of our feedback loop to develop and create each one of these businesses. And then ultimately when we find success, we want to donate some of the profits that we make into our do or dire entrepreneur foundation to give underprivileged and underserved communities an opportunity to get capital, chase their own dreams in this entrepreneurial game. Uh, But to start first with explaining the machine method and how it works as a whole, and it's essentially five core phases, right? So it starts first with the discovery phase. Very, very important phase, and it's a simple one. You know, it's not like there's a lot of different ways that we get deal flow. Ultimately, deal flow comes to us since we're looking for an idea stage, it's – primarily through sort of relationships and people that we know and people that we meet over time and ultimately say, hey, let's let's build a company. Uh, whenever you're ready, we would love to create a company. Now, part of our website at DeerDickMachine.com, we do have uh, are you a do or dire section that gives people a chance to to pitch us their ideas because we do want to also open ourselves up to really talented, experienced entrepreneurs that wouldn't have any any way to be in our network. So, you know, the discovery phase is ultimately the beginning of filtering all aspects of whether or not we would consider doing a business, and for us, it's a quick assessment. You know, if we're we're looking for consumer products, it's what we love to create the most. We will venture out into different types of products, uh, depending on the entrepreneur and the opportunity. But for the most part, we're looking for consumer products. And for us, we're market agnostic. Like we really would do almost anything if it was with the right founder and the right idea. But but really, we want it to be. You know developed within a certain capital structure, right we want ideas that can be beta created for you know two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars so we we don 't want some sort of technology concept for a consumer product that costs twenty five million dollars to like do the r and d and develop it. We would just never do something like that it 's not exciting like how can we for a few hundred thousand dollars completely develop a concept? and now have our beta version, and then can that product be brought to market for between a million and a half and two million dollars that's sort of the construct for us and that's for the most part almost any consumer product that you would think to create and be be properly capitalized is sort of how we look at it and we learn we learn the hard way you know like i i've tried to to you know spend fifty thousand to create a product and then go to market with a couple hundred thousand and try to use sales to like Get it cooking, and 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 almost all of the struggles that I have had in early consumer product development is is just getting out to market with not enough capital and not giving yourself enough runway to get to product market fit. You know the system is built to use that capital to create the beta product and then have enough capital to get to product market fit. So the next time you raise capital. Uh, you are doing it strictly to grow the company, not to survive, because that's where entrepreneurs get killed. They, you know, raise capital to survive, and they just keep getting diluted. You just, if you're going to play the venture game, you want to be able to continually find growth and only use capital to drive growth to limit your dilution. But in this process, uh, you know, the first thing that we do. As we do a principle assessment after it meets our general criteria, it, you know, the machine principles are made up of five core values that every business that we create must have. You know, we ultimately want to discipline ourselves to make sure that we avoid certain pitfalls that happens to a lot of startups, and ultimately the companies that that we have attempted to do in the past is what shaped these principles, right? And they're ever evolving. And currently it sits at five, and there's probably a couple principles inside the principles right now, but as long as another defined aspect of what can lead to a clearer path to success becomes a principle, then we'll continue to add to them. But currently... You know, our number one principle is a do or die leader. And for us, we want to build a company with somebody that this is going to be their only thing. Like, this is the person that we're going to co-find it with. This is who we're going to rely on pushing and driving this thing through the highs and lows and the chaos that it actually takes to build a company. And so... Uh, for me, I look at myself as a doer dyer, and I want to build companies with other doer-diers that have the same core values as me, right? And and I describe a doer dyer as those with the fortitude, grit, determination, and ambition along with the relentless work ethic and unwavering self-belief to turn their visions into reality. You know, to me... You know, it's the fortitude is courage, ambition is that desire, determination is that, that firmness and purpose, and grit is the resolve and the strength of character, you know. To me, defining what the spirit the work ethic, the self-belief, the the drive, like really trying to define and understand more the mindset and mentality to lead the way with those that I partner with because it ultimately makes all the difference in whether or not something that could have been successful becomes successful or something that had a ton of potential fails. That's how I define a do or die and how important it is to to surround yourself or, or ultimately build a company with someone with that type of mentality. Because that's the type of core values it takes to weather the chaos that is building a company. You know, the next thing we look at is we look for white space. And white space can come in so many different ways, right? Sometimes it can be a really subtle marketing angle. Sometimes it can be an extraordinarily defendable IP. Like whatever it is, it is a unique value proposition for a core consumer that is a feature or a benefit of that product that hasn't been done yet. And it's very possible to launch into almost any category, no matter how competitive it is, if you have the right type of white space, you know, and and you see it in big categories over and over where it's like, oh, this thing can't be disrupted anymore. And then somebody comes in and disrupts it. And and the bigger the market, the more subtle the white space can be. But you never want to launch a brand and it just be exactly the way that all of the brands in the space that are already winning are, and you're just thinking, oh, we're just going to make a a better version with a better, cooler name uh, without, you know, some sort of clear differentiation inside the market. Another big thing for us is impact. You know, like, will it impact the world? And, and this isn't impact the world in the sense of, like, you know, we're going to convert water to... Energy and now no one's going to have to use gasoline in cars ever again, and oil is going to be saved. It's not that type of impact. It's just making something real. Uh, we just want to make real companies that that are built forever and they go from the idea stage, are created, developed, brought to market and acquired one day, but then they go on and live forever. Like they really do impact the world, impact consumers and ultimately make a dent in this world. That, that's really what we want to make sure when we're looking at an opportunity. Multiple revenue advantages, multiple revenue advantages. Like we want to build something where it's extraordinarily clear, where there's advantages. That lead to revenue, and this can be, you know, having a founder and a team that's experts in in performance marketing. This can have, be a relationship with a retailer. This could be a relationship with a consumer. This could be a celebrity that has a re- like relationship with a consumer We're, we really want you know a clear opportunity to generate revenue from the from the get go built into the companies that that we design rather than get to market and just hoping somehow some way that customers are just going to discover the product that's what we really really try to avoid and and above all we need a clear path to liquidity you know at at the end of the day we love to create Companies, but we're really wanting everything that we create to create some sort of return. This can come in, in many different forms, right? Like we're okay if we build a business and and we're gonna do a two million dollar business that does five hundred thousand in profit that we split fifty-fifty, we make two hundred and fifty thousand a year. That's fine, right? Like we also want, you know, if it's a growth company, we want to make sure that there's a real appetite to acquire this type of business. So if we invest in in just overall growth that we know that you know within a certain amount of time, there's a clear possibility that this company will be acquired. But when we put all of that together, that's where we make sort of our first stop inside the process that is uh, the machine method. At this point, we really wanna understand that this this fits these principles and this is something that we would be open to developing completely. And then at that point we're like okay this feels amazing meet all of our principles. Um now let's go even see if this idea is real because the the problem is I will hear something for the first time and be like, this is white space, this is a do or die right here, this is who would buy it. Like, oh man, like there's so much opportunity to scale this. Like I would be so into an idea and not even do a Google search to see that there's 10 other ideas exactly like this, just because it's the first time I ever heard it that I just assumed, like, nobody's done it before. And this this really led to creating an extensive immersion that we call it, which we essentially, you know, we look at all aspects of Uh, the concept and the market surrounding this idea after it kind of fits our principle fit. Because for us, that immersion will either validate the idea that it's a real opportunity or it'll literally stop it dead in its tracks. And so many different times, I have just loved an idea, fit all of our principles. And then as soon as we got through that immersion, you end up in the end of like, man, they're just... You know, there isn't an opportunity here, especially sometimes you'll think, man, this could be so big. This could be like... A fifty million dollar business, and then you you look in the market and see there's things that are similar and none of them have gotten bigger than a few million dollars. There's been no MA activity, no venture activity. Like you, you just really begin to see that nope there actually isn't a consumer for this. And if it is, it's just a really, really small business. Then you tie that back to okay, it's a really small business that's like low margin and the cost structure's bad. Like then it's really hard to make per Profitable and sustainable. We've, we lose interest from being extraordinarily excited to seeing the, the truth in the data and in the research that says, hey, this isn't necessarily the right opportunity. And it can also act in the other direction where like boom you look at this immersion and it's like wow this is white space not only that but man it could it could actually be even more white space and if we you know went for this pricing strategy this could actually be an 80% margin like there's so much stuff that can be discovered and at the end of that discovery phase you know, we end up with sort of an opportunity hypothesis. Like we can say, man, if we created this company that it really could potentially tackle this percentage of the overall market and potentially be, you know, a 30, $40 million business that trades at three, four times revenue, um, there's a clear path here to, to build a $150 million business and have it acquired, right? So now we have just this general hypothesis that we make the decision at that point, do we want to go into the diligence phase, right? Because- when we go into the diligence phase, now we're spending real money, time, energy, everything. Because this is more than what I would consider sort of traditional diligence and and, and venture. Or private equity where you 're looking to acquire a business and you 're trying to make sure all the numbers align and audit the financials and and understand uh, you know are there any hanging chads any anything hanging in the the liability side that that isn 't coming to the forefront? This is sort of the process of of when someone would diligence a company and their team and all these different aspects, but we 're building from the idea stage. So we are uh, wanting to really know everything that we can about the potential idea and this do-or-die-or co founder that if we decide to build this company with, that we're going to be together forever. You know, it's it's why we say build together bound forever is when you create something from the idea stage, um, you are literally getting married. You are now co-founders and you will be together for the life and the existence of this idea as long as it stays in business. And it's, it's a much more complex process. And for us at this point, we still have no paperwork with any potential partner. We go through this extensive process and the diligence phase to learn as much as we can, not only about the business and the potential opportunity, but how it is to work with this individual as well right and and we get deep we spend a lot of time and resources to really build the beta version of what we would eventually go on and build and bring to market right and 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 this involves a process of the machine method that we call the initial shaping of our machine core elements. And the core elements are made up of, of three different pieces. It's the core to more consumer, the core business capabilities, and the core leadership engine. And for us, this is the heart and soul and engine and all of the moving parts that make up the company. And spending the time in this diligence phase Of really thinking through multidimensionally how the entire business uh, will function together and how all of that leads itself to an actual investment opportunity is why we spend so much time, energy and cost in developing this initial version of the company very thoroughly in this phase again before we've ever even done a deal or, or signed anything with our potential partner because it's so extensive it it really begins to open our eyes to the skill set of the co-founder and the person that we're creating the business for. It also begins to to let us feel like what this company will will really begin to look like. And by going through this process, I I look at it as this initial shaping is is the first step in an accelerated path product market fit, right? Because you should really begin to understand the consumer, the pricing strategy, the product strategy, how you're going to create the media, how you're going to market it, how you're going to sales it, how you're going to do sales, how is it going to, to all connect and work together from an operational standpoint? And then ultimately, what does that look like in a financial opportunity? And, and so let me start with core to more consumer. For me, It's when you can define who you're making a product for super specifically, that is when you're making uh, the product for a core consumer, right? Now, when I say a more consumer, it is when the value prop or the features and the benefits of that product that you're making can appeal to any consumer. That's the more side. And and I'll give you an example is of my old – a life of professional skateboarding. So if you're going to make a skateboard company and sell skateboards, that is a core-to-core product. Only people that ride skateboards are going to buy a skateboard, okay? But if you made the Stefan Janowski Nike skate shoe, uh, now you are making a shoe that's perfect for... For a skateboarder, but the fact that it's a shoe, anybody can wear a shoe. So now it is a core to more product because it's actually being made for a core audience, but it has appeal to a more audience, right? Or a more consumer. So that's sort of the premise. And the beauty of it is, is you can map this out. So you know how to target like specifically the consumers that you really want to build this company around and always be sort of your authenticity anchor for. But ultimately, you understand your path of both product scale and distribution scale that will allow you to reach a larger audience, because if you can't reach a certain size audience, uh, that will limit the size of your actual company. So then, once we sort of establish who who the consumer is and what that core to more consumer looks like, all of that will inform how we create our core business capabilities. And for me, I used to look at business as you know, it is, you know, your brand and creative mind. And then there's like the the business mind, you know, it's it's the the business nuts and bolts of a business. And then there's the creative side. But what I realized along the way that there are seven core business capabilities that make up all aspects of a really well designed, well ran business. And each of these needs to be fully integrated in order to have a great company. And and it starts first with product vision. At the end of the day, it is, your product is always going to be your hero. And that product vision, not not only is it like sort of the, the value proposition of the product and the features and the benefits of that product, but it's also like, where can that product go? Is it a single product? Is it a, a product platform. And by a platform product, I mean, you know, you have a core value proposition of your product, but it can scale across multiple categories. In the case of MindWrite, it is a good mood superfood that has adaptogens and nootropics that make up a happy brain blend that both enhances mood and has long term benefits to brain health. Now, if it was a single product, it would be, you know, the Mind Right Good Mood Super Bar. And then it would only be bars. But since it's a platform that is the Happy Brain Blend and Good Mood Superfood. We are making bars and salty snacks and crunches and ready-to-drink mixes. Like it allows us to make multitude of different products that serve the same value proposition. So we could go win in bars, but we could win in, in multiple other categories. That is what makes up a platform for a product line rather than a single product. These are the things that that need to be decided very early on. And for us, you know, we look at businesses no longer as like if it's a single product, it's not something that, that we would want to do. We would want to only do A product core value proposition that can be applied across an entire product line uh, that gives you a lot more opportunities to, to scale the business, scale the consumer, and ultimately give you opportunities if your initial products aren't working on applying the same core value of your business to other form factors that might have a better shot at finding consumer and ultimately product market fit. Then next is Brand the brand is the the soul of the company like the name the the design the feeling the mission the vision the position the way that it actually is presented to the consumer is so important right so now you got your amazing product and your you know that that can be a platform and and a clear value proposition now you want that brand and the name and the identity and the feel and all aspects of that brand connect back to that value proposition right so now you're connecting product and brand it it begins to feel as one and for us the the next big way of presenting yourself is now your owned media strategy. This is now how you go from your product into your brand and now how is that translated into your content and what you look like on social and in the way that you present yourself and how you share that core product value prop through your design now into content Uh, That is shared across all platforms because, you know, in this day and age, businesses need to be omni channel and more than anything, they need to be able to be a business as media. There's no longer this world in the dawn of social media and, and creating your own content and being your own studio, if you will, that you're not your own media company so now you have an amazing product and product line vision that's perfectly tied back to your brand and and its look and feel and name and sound now that look and feel and mission and vision is is translated across to media and now your entire owned media universe is delivering on this look and feel and feeling that's being fueled by the value prop of your product that has been gotten the insights from who the consumer is that that fueled all of this from the very beginning. And then the next major thing you got to develop is marketing strategy, right? And it ends up being like, okay, now you got your product. Now you got your brand. Now you got your media. Now, how do you, how do you turn that into marketing plans and materials and told performance marketing? Is it, you know, POP at retail? Is it, ad buys facebook is it podcast support whatever it may be this is now needs to be completely designed that connects all the way back to your entire business that informs now your entire sales strategy right and are you selling it direct to consumer are you going to retail wherever you choose to sell the product this is its own entire process Unto itself, right? So when you when you begin to look at the entire business holistically, now you have this amazing product and brand and media and content that you've created around it. Now it's about strategy, right? So you've got to put together both the the sales strategy and the marketing strategy, and and look at them both separately, right? Because you've got to decide how you want to distribute this product, where you want to distribute this product. That will inform how you choose to spend the money, the time, the energy to market this product. Is it influencer marketing? Is it uh, through earned media? Is it paid media? Like you ultimately have to build the strategy that seamlessly connects. Your marketing and sales strategy based off of who your core consumer is and then deliver on on the marketing materials based off the value proposition and the amazing brand and the content that you've created. That is the fundamental workings of how those five pieces seamlessly interconnect and the following two pieces are essential to the business itself working. Now you tie those five pieces together which is product vision and brand vision, own media strategy sales strategy and marketing strategy to the operational and financial design. Because now getting all of that to work seamlessly together and actually be able to have the supply chain and understanding the product and getting the product in and having it shipped out and going through, uh, sort of all aspects of personnel and everything that it actually takes to, to, operationalize a business. You have to understand in order for it to be successful. And then finally, that all has to tie back to a clear financial design. You know, at, at the end of the day. A business is only as good as it is financially viable, and together these these seven core capabilities make up a multi dimensional view of what a successful business needs to ever reach its potential. So for us at, at this phase, we're trying to put a strategy and a plan to all of this, you know, so that we can really begin to understand all aspects of the opportunity, including certain little things that we may not fully understand. If there's trade cost for, if you want to go to retail, you know, if there's, co-packer fees where the margins aren't nearly what we thought it could be in the first place there's all these different things that are that are revealed when you develop through these seven core capabilities then the final thing we do is is the core leadership engine inside the machine core elements it is now who are the people that have the skill sets and these seven core capabilities that can run this business and you know, for us, it is we want do or die or co-founder CEOs that have general knowledge in the seven core capabilities because that means they have the ability to hire the right people in each one of these particular divisions. And, and sometimes, you know, you have, you know, a really great financial, you know, an operating mind CEO that just doesn't understand brand and media very well. Sometimes, you know, you have an amazing product and brand person that doesn't understand marketing and sales, right? It's, it's really assessing the CEO and, and understanding where their skill set is and then ultimately how do we put together a plan to fill out an organizational chart to make sure that all these seven core capabilities are covered. And then how do we make sure that there's also advisors that come along and support uh, the business that have a deep experience and knowledge in this particular industry. But that is what we do in the diligence phase. And keep in mind, we're doing all this before we've ever Written any type of paper, any type of agreement because, you know, we want to learn, right? And we don't mind if we spend all this time and energy and create this entire sort of beta version of the company and not do it because we learn so much every single time that we do it and at the end of the diligence phase we have what we call the opportunity package and inside this is you know the complete financial model a complete sort of beta version of the brand and and the marketing strategy and the product line strategy and and some some just general shaping of the own media and what it's going to take to operationalize it and all of this kicks back down into what we call the unified theory, which is essentially a model, a financial model that has all aspects of the business accounted for. This is everything that we would do if we decide to do this business. This is the exact cost structure. This is how much capital is going to be needed to get it developed initially, get it to market and then grow it. And then. What this company would trade for, who we think would buy it, and how big do we want to make this company before we sell it, and then how much money would we make when we sell it? That is how much detail and much understanding of what we want before we ever decide to, to cut a check and do a, do a deal together. And then we sit down with our future partner and say, hey, here's what we think. We think we would have to spend $250,000 to develop this. We will help raise the $1.5 million to get to market, and we'll need $2 million of growth and $3 million of a B round to get us to $30 million in revenue where we think this company can trade for four to five times that. And we want to uh, sell this company for somewhere around $150 million in five years, which at at that point, through the dilution and the, the equity we've given away as part of our option pool and for our employees and, and different strategics along the way, we at this point will have 35 percent and you will have 35 percent. And this is how much money we would expect to make within five years. Do you want to do it? Right. That's the level of of depth. So and and we call it the before you start when mentality, but it but it really is getting such a deep and clear alignment at this crucial phase before you actually ever become partners, because what happens a lot of times in this phase is it just becomes clear that hey it 's a great idea this is and this person has an an amazing vision, but they 're just hard to work with they 're not fun to work with. they're always pushing back and not collaborative like and, and for us uh, again on that that build together bound forever like we 're bound for life so it 's not like we are in some sort of position where like the idea is just so good we 're going to compromise that at the end of the day. When we decide to pull that trigger, that is, you know, you being a part of our family forever. And and we celebrate it. So at the end of that diligence phase, we decide to become partners. That's it. Like this is now uh, where it becomes real because now we put up all the capital to develop every, almost every business that we do for the most part. And that's it. We're partners, and that's the the first thing that we do. In that process, is we turn you into an action figure. You know, what better way to celebrate than than turn you into a Do or, die or limited series action figure? And because now you are part of this community of Do or Dieers, you are one of our family members for life. You know, and and we want to celebrate that moment. And again, where we integrate our media here is the first time that you as a listener will discover and meet one of our do or die partners will be when we are going through an episode and and sharing everything we learned and then uh, making the decision if we're going to partner or not. That is the beginning of one of our companies being integrated into this show, you know, because... Part of this show is ultimately being part of the machine method and the actual process of following along and and learning about how we think, the type of companies that we're looking at, and then why we ultimately decide to create and build a company. So now, here we are. We have the beta version of this entire company developed. We now funded it. Now we move into our build phase, right? And in the build phase, the build phase is now taking all of this beta information and that we did in the diligence phase and now making it real, right? From from the product side, now we're going out and finding manufacturers and going and actually creating the product that we're going to go to market with. On the brand side, we're hiring agencies and potentially brand managers or creative directors to help us now completely take the beta version of this brand and and turn it into a brand guidelines and and what will ultimately be the real brand that is brought to market. We also begin at this phase to integrating testing at a really high level. And the reason we wanted to create our own community, the machinists for testing in a feedback loop is is we want people to be part of our process, but also be our sounding board and be be the ability to, to, to be our ears and eyes outside of, what we're doing together inside the room. Because there's just, you know, I get too fired up. I think my ideas are the best. And then, God forbid, me and a do or die or founder getting all high on each other's ideas and thinking how amazing we are and how amazing this concept's going to be. And then... Get to market, and people just don't. It makes no sense to them, or they don't like it, or for whatever reason. Uh, I have learned from doing it many times that you are better served to be constantly testing and getting feedback through the building process because in the build phase, you still have so much time to do so much failing before you ever start burning money because for us at this phase, we've we've capitalized it. We've put in the development money. It's usually all of our resources and, and the single founder do or die solopreneur at this point, And our, our internal resources are now helping create and shape and build the business. And we don't want to just start burning money until we have a clear path to revenue. But what this sort of extensive development process and constant testing and getting feedback, what it really does is allow you to basically do all of this learning and failing and and redoing and getting things right before you ever get to market right and and another essential part of our process of just trying to help create that accelerated path to product market fit is how much the actual process does so many of the things that help lead to that product market fit before you ever even launch the product in the first place and it's an exciting time it's the most exciting time that there is in all of creating a business because it's like you see the product for the first time it's like what you know you see the packaging design it's like oh then the actual product in the packaging like what is this you know it's like oh, the website's done you know it is you know, we say, fueled by the joy of creation, it really is the most amazing, extraordinary experience, this phase of building and seeing the whole thing come alive. And it is, you know, something I'm addicted to and I love doing it over and over and it never gets old. Never gets old to me of landing on the name of a company, never gets old seeing, like, the initial designs of the logo, like, I, I love I love every aspect of this entire process, and this is, you know, the true birth of the concept. And the first big validation phase for the, the build phase is when you're all done, you go out and raise the capital to get to market. And for us, it's like why we like to get into market and raise the capital is you learn so much. Right. It's like there's so many different types of people that will invest in your opportunity to help accelerate it. You know, in in some cases, you know, the strategics can be extraordinarily powerful. And, And some of the companies that we've developed and raised capital with, the strategics come with, you know, built in lines of distribution. Some are celebrities that have huge earned media that just by them investing in the company alone gets a ton of earned media during launch time and different things like that. Like it is the ultimate validation is the type of investors that you get uh, when you take your brand concept and product to market. And so at the end of the build phase, we've got this extraordinary brand an entire strategy on on how to go to market from sales marketing distribution all aspects of the entire business has been organized capitals raised and we head into the launch phase and this is the the moment of truth okay the launch phase is the moment of truth there is a reason why a lot of people refer to the first year, year and a half in business as the valley of death. It's because it don't matter how much like hard work and research and everything that you put in, you do not know how this company is going to be received by consumers until you get into market. Right. And, and again, what do we do as a process? You know, we, Throughout this process, then we're featuring the show on Build with Rob and showcasing our development and, and all the things we've been learning and all aspects of this. At this point, we're integrating it through our social channels and the Deirdre Machine's own media and my own media. And and if we have influential investors through their earned media, it's like we have the machinist connected and prepared to go to market after learning as much as we possibly can. So our process is to prepare us for this march into the valley of death. But but it is still, in fact, this big unknown. And really, when, when you launch a business, you learn everything. And for us it's not about like getting out to market and launching and hoping it works it's about doing deep audience development ahead of actually launching developing and creating a strategy after really understanding who the target consumer is and how and what ways of marketing to them are most likely going to work we've done ext- an extensive understanding of of pricing strategy and what products to lead with and 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 all of this but it's still you know not about the launch it is like the moment you get to market it is now the clock is ticking because now you have a certain amount of runway with capital and you have got to like do everything that you can to find growth right and find sales and again why the principle of multiple revenue advantages matter so much is so that you can begin to be generating uh, the revenue and giving yourself an opportunity to use the capital you raised to give you runway and growth that leads to, you know, in some cases, you know, You know, we've launched businesses where we didn't even need to raise money. We had so many revenue advantages that just the moment we got to market, our revenue exploded and we never had to take on capital again. You know, and and we've launched companies that have got to market and didn't sell anything, didn't sell anything for the first year because of the fact of of not being prepared and overestimating. What we thought the consumer would be rather than knowing who the consumer is, then building a relationship with them and then refining that relationship and now beginning to understand how to nurture and scale that relationship, right? That is everything that is within… This launch phase and 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 the launch phase is the most critical uh, you know i I really believe that you know whether or not you are really going to have a truly successful company within the f- the first few months of launching and 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 there 's probably a, a lot of debate and a lot of people could talk about how they you know you know had a company for five years, six years, ten years, and then it finally blew up cool i 'm not saying that doesn 't happen, uh, but that was a painful painful experience and then when it happened you're like what you know what I mean you just got lucky we don't play the game for that when we get to market it is like okay if this isn't working we better start figuring out a way to make it work right now not keep doing the same thing over and over hoping that it works and and, and why we like platform products and adding pre-pivots you know for us it's like hey here's the hero product but we have two other products on deck that are non-correlated to this exact product that share the same value proposition that we could turn to this product if this one isn't working if there's you know some sort of issue or miscalculation or market trend these are sort of the things that that we've learned over time and that why and how we've applied them to every single one of our ventures and how important they are but but at the end of the day this launch phase has one place to get to to win, and that's product market fit. And product market fit, you know, it is simply like the consumer has adopted the product, and and its pricing and distribution. Right. If if you're a D2C company, if you're a, a omni channel company, like you know, you now have a consumer that has adopted this product that is loyal to it and and growing. And you now have a more refined business model. You know where you have to spend money on your marketing and your content, and in order to drive the sales and what sales channels you need to be in, you understand exactly who your consumer is and the relationship that you have with this consumer that you can now invest more money and scale this business, right? And the goal for us in this entire process is to get to that point because at that point now you can go out and raise capital and that capital is going to be used to scale this business, to grow more consumers, to grow a a larger product line, a product offering that scales revenue. Now you are truly on your pathway to the end, right? And for us now becomes sort of the process of, of what, and how big do you want to make this business? Now, now make make no mistake, it's not, you're not home free when you find product market fit. It will forever be this chaotic dogfight to to figure it all out and grind through it and constantly changing and evolving as the markets changing and evolving and trends are moving out and opportunities are 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 popping in. Like there's there's it's this constant chaos as creating and running a business always will be. But at some point, as you begin to scale, you will reach certain thresholds where it is a better time than others to create a liquidity event to to sell your company or take chips off the table whatever it may be and that 's at certain sizes right because for us, you know even though we love creating and want to be co-founders and, and create this amazing company, we're still judging ourselves off of how much money we make. You know, at the end of the day, it is still venture capital above everything. And for us, there's thresholds, right? It's, you know, there is a, you know, a couple thousand people that would buy your company for 75 to 150 million. There is, you know, 40 or 50 people maybe that would buy it for 200 or 250 million but but above that we're talking three or four people would buy a company beyond that level and or you're going public. Right. So uh, for us, you know, even when we you know, start with this before you start win mentality, like, you know, hey, we want to build this and sell it at this price and make this much money. And we like to stay really disciplined to that. But but sometimes, you know, we can see a founder has a, a clear path to taking a company public and we'd like to go for that ride. You know, it, it's not necessarily like you have to like stick to that exact plan forever and always. But uh, no matter what, there has to be some sort of uh, liquidity event because that ultimately is the ending for us and where we ultimately will judge ourselves. And that is the great exit right and for us again we celebrate this in the highest and realest way because it is an extraordinary moment you know the idea of 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 just talking about a potential idea with a doer dyer co-founder and then you know, four years later, you sell that company and put a button on it and can look at an exact dollar amount that that you made on your ROI and your IRRs over four years. It's extraordinary. And so for us, we then celebrate and we celebrate and we celebrate in the realest, realest way. Unlike any other person in venture, private equity, incubator. I don't care what it is. We are the only people that do championship trophies and a limited edition wine. And, and what do we do? We get two championship-level gold deck Machine trophies. And we keep one, and we give one to the founder, and then I get 24 bottles of limited edition Liquidity Vintage. I design the bottle all sick, Dyrdek Machine uh, logos and, and mark the occasion. Then I sign and number every single one of these. And then I give the trophy to the founder and the 12 bottles and then we keep one trophy and 12 bottles to be part of our Liquidity Vintage seller and our before you start win victory wall that we have here at the Deer Deck Machine. And then after uh, the trophy presentation and the Liquidity Vintage presentation, then we take a portion of that exit and then we donate to the Doer Dyer Entrepreneur Foundation. You know, for us, you know, the foundation is our opportunity to share our philosophy of what it Takes to create a successful business, but share that philosophy and give an opportunity to give capital to those in underserved communities that would never have access to capital. And, And even the way the foundation is set up, like it's really. A business plan competition program where where ultimately anyone uh, that qualifies can can present their idea through our business model that's framework that is the machine method, and then we can select winners and give them the capital that they would otherwise never have any chance of getting to go out and and live. Uh, their entrepreneurial dream and, and at least get it started and, and begin those initial lessons and, and learnings that it takes to ultimately end up being in a position to create a successful business. And look, that is everything that is the DeerDeck machine. It is the, the one-of-a-kind venture creation studio that is a fully integrated multi-platform universe of venture building, media, community, and philanthropy. And and I hope that can give you further insight to, to not only how I think, but how much I absolutely just love creating companies with like-minded doer-diers and and going through every single part of the process it is my life's mastery i just want to get better and better and better at curating individuals shaping ideas building companies from concept to acquisition that is my true life's calling uh, and and something I look forward to not only doing for many years, but helping educate people on on everything that I learn along the way so that all entrepreneurs can experience the fulfillment and the joy that comes along with creating great success when building a company. Till we meet again, we'll see you on Build with Rob. If you think you have what it takes to be a doer, dyer and partner with me to build an amazing company, or if you want to join our growing community of machinists to be the first to test our new products and help us manufacture amazing, go to DeerDeckMachine.com. Make sure you subscribe to Build With Rob wherever you join us. YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you get your podcasts and videos. And most importantly, I can't say it enough you got to put a vision to whatever you want to achieve. You've got to build a plan so that you think it's even possible. Then you have to give it everything you've got. See it. Believe it. Do it. We'll see you next time on Build with Rob.